Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And, and thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel already. I pray, Father, that, that you will help us to look inside of our hearts. And Lord, help us to do inventory on misbeliefs or alternative facts. And I pray, Father, that you will help us to open up our hearts and minds to receive what your Spirit wants to say to us. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you just need to study your Bible. See, that's where people get all hung up, is because we don't know the Bible. Uh, uh, we, uh, the alternative fact that I want to talk to you about today is this. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, let me put a disclosure in there. If you're here today and you hadn't been in church here in the last six weeks, it's not because you don't believe you, uh, you should go to church. It's probably because you have a schedule or you have uh, priorities or whatever. And as a pastor, of course, I want you to go to church more than once every six weeks. And I want you to go to church uh, more than Easter or Christmas, right? I want you to go to church more, but that's not, I'm not addressing that. I'm not addressing the fact that we miss and, and, and uh, whatever, for whatever reason. I'm addressing the statement of people that say, I don't have to go to church. I'm not a part of the body of Christ. I'm not a part of a church, and I don't have to go to be a Christian. And hopefully before we're done here today, people will think very, very differently about that statement. Let me ask you this. Why do people even say this? Why do people say something like that? Here's what I found out. First of all, people who only live in a Western blessed society as ours say that. People who, uh, people who, who live in an over-churched Many opportunities to go to church. Uh, somebody who, who grows up in a Western world. Uh, someone that, that uh, only a person who has a surplus of churches. You grow up in a church on every street corner. You have many opportunities to go to a worship experience. Only people who live in those kind of societies say this. Because I have, I've been to other parts of the world where they consider what we do here on weekends a huge, huge privilege. And may we never... In our society, in our culture of the United States, may we never take for granted. May we, become, may we never become so blessed and so overchurched that we take for granted the gift of public worship. That is a, an incredible, an incredible blessing. But here's the deal. People say this, and people say other anti-church, out-of-context type of statements to justify a lifestyle or an action. Let me say it like this. A lot of people, when they say or speak out against the church, whether it be attendance, whether it be giving towards the church, they say these things not because that they've, they've looked it up or they've, they've done research. It's usually to justify their actions or justify a lifestyle. Here's the truth. If I were to be honest with myself, if I didn't want to go to church, or if I said something, this alternative fact, if I said I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, if I were to say that, if I were to speak the truth, it would probably be, like, be something like this. I choose not to be part of the church because, or I choose not to be part of the church, and really, if I draw it out of the Bible, I need to back up my 30-second theology or my Google Bible searches, because that's what a lot of people do. They'll, they'll do a search, a quick search of, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? And you can get whatever answer that you want, but really, people don't dive into the Word of God. So I think it's important that as we address this alternative fact that we take a look at what the church is and how we dive into it. Because as I said before, people, people back up what they want to do and how they live their lives. The truth is, 
People have not done a doctrinal or exegetical research, or they even care. The truth is they choose to, to, to live a certain way and back that up with alternative facts. But here's the truth. It's actually pretty simple. When it comes to our treatment of the house of God, when it come, whether it's attendance or worship or serving or giving, these are matters of the heart. And if somebody has this kind of statement, we have to be careful and we have to be gentle with that because a lot of times somebody has been hurt by a church or somebody in their mind, they feel like they have been hurt by God. Something has happened to them in their lives that they feel like they're upset with God or they're upset with the church. So we have to address these facts, these alternative facts, but we have to address them in love. Here's the deal. If people say this, this alternative fact, they're missing the point of church. They're missing out on the whole point of church, the most incredible, one of the most incredible gifts that God ever gave the earth. So I want to discuss what the church is all about and what people miss out when they drop out of church. I just busted a rhyme there. Did you notice that? What's the church all about? Number one is church is all about identity. Church is all about identity. It's not a place, but it's who I am. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. Church is not a place. It's a people that we get to be a part of. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 27, it says that you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We are part of what makes up the whole body of Christ. Once upon a time, Jesus walked the earth. And he was here in body. But when he left, he left us with the Holy Spirit. And he left us with this this concept and this idea of the church that as we gather, we individually make up collectively the body of Christ. We, We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of each other. We minister to those who are sick. We minister to the hurting, the dying, the hungry, the lonely, the lost. We celebrate with each other when we are happy. And we are sad when each other are hurt. We are his church and we are in this together. I'm no good without you. You're no good without me. Look at your neighbor and say, I am the church. Now look at him and say, you are the church. So the church is all about identity. And if you miss out on being a part of the body of Christ, you miss out on the fact that God has called you to be part of the body of Christ. The second second thing that church is about is it's, about gathering. In other words, connecting and being committed to others. In Hebrews 10 and 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good work, not neglecting to, keep, uh, uh, to meet together, as is the habit. Or the, another word for that is practice. Meeting together, being a part of church is a habit. Just like not meeting together and not being a part of the church is a habit. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The church is not a building. However, the building is where we gather. Amen? It's, 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 we are the church. We've established that the church, that is the people. But the building is important because that's a place where we gather. The, the scripture says that, that we are to stir each other up. What does that mean? To stir up each other. That means to remind each other of who we are. Remind each other that we are part of the body of Christ. Remind each other that we have been called for a purpose. Another thing that we see here in the scripture is to encourage each other or to lift up. 
Sometimes we go through things and we struggle. It's nice to have Christian brothers and sisters around us that are going through the same kinds of things. They can look at us and say, hey, you're going to make it. You can get through this. We encourage each other and we build each other up. And finally, the scripture says that we look towards the day. That, that word day is capitalized, which is the day of the Lord. In other words, we look up. We have this eternal sense of awareness that no matter what happens, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what's going on in our world, there is a day coming when our Lord Jesus is going to return to this earth and establish his kingdom. So church is also where we celebrate and we worship our God with each other. What we do here on weekends is a family gathering. Amen? This is a family gathering. Isn't, this, this is meant to be fun. Isn't this fun? Yeah, it's fun. Just look at your name and say, this is a blast. We get to hang out with each other. We eat cupcakes or whatever in the foyer. We get to sip coffee. We get to rock and roll on stage with our kind of music. We get to listen to the word of God. Hopefully the message is, is, is pretty good. Hopefully. This is, this is fun. This is enjoyable. Let me tell you something. I've been to church all my life. I think I just turned... 49 a few months ago. I know it's hard to believe. I know I don't look that old. I grew up in church. Church wasn't always fun like this. Anybody been in church for the last 50 years? You've been to church for 50 years? It wasn't always fun. I mean, church was a place where you went that you kind of wasn't exactly your, you weren't exactly yourself. In fact, you didn't dress like you did during the week. I remember when I was 12 years old, man, when I, when I got out of kids' church and I got into the big church, it was time to put on a suit. So from 12 years old to whenever I stopped going to that church, in my, you know, 22 years old, I wore a three-piece suit to church every single Sunday. Now, nothing wrong with that if that's how people want to dress. But isn't this a little bit nicer that we don't have to get up and say, man, let's put on a tie and go to church and button this top button. The only place I wear a suit is funerals and weddings now. You didn't, I mean, it was a place where, you know, you didn't dress like you dressed during the week. Here's something else. Church used to be a place where you didn't play, where you went to play music that you didn't listen to. This is not the way church music used to be. All right. You want to know the way church used to be when church. I mean, when, when when church music was at its peak and you went to a church that was really throwing down and it was the best music in town. You know what it was? You know what kind of music it was? When's the last time you've been to Branson? Those four piece quartets. Hey, I, I'm not I'm not picking at it. It's quality music. But growing up as a teenager, that's not the music I was listening to. So I went to church every single Sunday and I played this music and it it blessed the church and and, 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 and whatnot. However, that wasn't the music that I wanted to listen to. So I remember as a pastor's son, I told my dad, I said, Dad, you got to let me play. You got to give me an environment. I was a musician. I was just learning to play the electric guitar. I've been playing the bass since I was like 10. Dad, can we play our music in church? So he let us do that. And we did that at a youth rally, a state Pentecostal youth rally. Like 400 kids and all the youth leaders. They never heard anything like this. So we had this great idea. We took this hymn called the old gospel ship. Has anybody ever I'm going to take a trip on the old gospel ship, okay? So we put a rock beat on the drums, and I, we brought in this orange amplifier. It's called orange. Anybody ever? No. 
And this guy had a Gibson, what's the, what's the lightning bolt look, looking Gibson guitar? What's it called? Thunderbird or something like that? I don't know. Anyway, he had this Thunderbolt looking guitar, and then we put just a little bit of distortion on it, okay? A little bit, of just a tiny bit of distortion. Had him turned out, okay? So, you know, he was, I mean, he was doing everybody this. This is how much he was moving. With distortion, okay? The drums got down, and we, man, we got down on that hymn, and I kid you not, every youth leader walked over there to their kids and said, we're getting out of here. This is the devil's music. They all left, and we were standing there playing the chairs. That highly offended them. Thank goodness we've grown past that. Church used to be a place where you didn't say things that you said during the week. How you doing, Brother Landon? Good. Brother Landon? Sister Jessica? We, has anybody ever been to church? This is the way we talk to each other. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not the way we talk. You don't see your people at work every day and say, Hey, Brother Jake, how you doing, man? Said weird thing. We call it Christianese now. Say weird things like, Okay, we're all going to come back to the fellowship hall. First of all, everybody... Let's enter into the sanctuary. The sanctuary. That's what the way we refer to the auditorium as the sanctuary. You know what the sanctuary is? In the Old Testament, it was the Holy of Holies. The presence of God. I mean, you go in there, you're not supposed to be in there, you die. Okay? So people come in here like, the sanctuary? <laughs> Do not run in the sanctuary. Get those kids out of the sanctuary. I've, I've, throughout years, when I say, hey, no, 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 that's an auditorium. It's an auditorium. Just for the, for, there's nothing wrong with calling it a sanctuary. People still do that. But it's an auditorium. It's, this is not the Holy of Holies. And yes, we feel the presence of God, but nobody's dying. Tie a rope to your leg and pull you out like they did in the Old Testament. <laughs> there's the fellowship hall. We're going to extend the right. We're going to come back here for some fun food and fellowship. When's the last time you invited somebody over to your house? We're going to go over to the brewery, uh, the restaurant, the brewery. We're going to have some fun food and fellowship. You know what I'm saying? I'm so glad that church has, that church has made, that, that, church has made that, that, uh, that switch. Never mind the fact that what we were doing in church was pushing the unsaved people away. Or people that didn't believe in God. What we were doing were pushing people away. I am so glad that we made that shift. Praise God that church has gone from religion to reality. That people that can really come to church and be in small groups there, we're not going to do it on stage, but you can confess your faults one to another like they did in the, in the New Testament. Thank God that we're, we've gotten real when it comes to living for God. Instead of doing whatever it takes to keep the church people happy, we've made this shift to as long as it doesn't go against the Bible, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people for Christ. Amen? This was the church that I always dreamed of. This was the church that we planted 17 years ago. This is the church that we now attend. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church because I want to go to church because it's relevant to my life. It's changing people. It's saving people. And it's the body of Christ. Amen? Yeah. Church is all about identity. Church is all about gathering. And church is all about serving. In other words, using your gifts to reach others. Ephesians, the second chapter in the 10th verse says, 
tenth verse says that we are God's workmanship. One translation says that we are God's masterpiece, that we are this work in progress of God, that, that he is shaping us into what he wants us to be, to put us into his plan. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For what? For good works were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, before you were ever a thought in this world, before you were ever born, your heavenly Father destined and designed you for things that he has in this life through his, through his church. We do something every other month called Growth Track, where we talk about the vision of our church, and we also talk about the story of our church. We talk about our beliefs and we introduce you to other people in the church and introduce you to other new people in the church. But one of the things that we do is we dive deep into what God has for you. We actually do this thing where you, you, take, you take a spiritual gifting test that you set down and as a result of a few questions, we also do a personality test. But we also what makes this unique is the spiritual gifting test where you answer a few questions and you actually, or, or you, you really, really come to a place where I believe that you can land on what God has for you to do through his church. That through a series of questions, maybe this or another environment, through a series of questions, you can find out that God has a purpose for you. And it might direct you towards maybe working in the parking lot or working with kids or being in the media or being on stage and playing music or whatever. Why do we do this? Because we believe that God has created everyone and given them gifts and talents and abilities to serve him through his church. We believe that. We believe that God has put a desire on the inside of every person to serve him. Whether we've discovered it or not, God has put a desire and he's equipped you in a certain way and given you an uncommon gift and made you unique in such a way that you can serve him in your own way through the local church. Colossians 1 and 10 says that we are to be fruitful. What is it to be fruitful? It is to multiply ourselves. So Colossians 1 and 10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. My friend, we are not saved by works. When we're talking about works, works is just simply service to God. We are not saved by works. The Bible is very clear about that, but we are saved for works. You're not saved so you can come here on Sunday morning and watch us do our thing. You're not saved so, so you can let others do, and, and you know, you just kind of, you don't participate, you just spectate. You're not saved for that. Now, if that's where we are with our walk with God, maybe you're sitting back and you're thinking and you're praying, maybe God has a plan for you. Maybe that's what you're thinking. God has a plan, but I'm not sure about it. That's okay. We want you to discover. We want you to take time with that. However, we believe that everybody is saved to serve. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, we are saved to serve. We are not saved to sit. We are saved to serve. We need to get to work. Our lives are meant to bear fruit. Our spiritual lives especially. To bear fruit and to bless others with our Service As we serve his church, it is a blessing to the people that God sends us to be saved. So the church is about serving. Lastly, the church is about generosity. The church is about generosity. In other words, we can do more together 
than we can do individually. Collectively, we can do more than we can ever do separate. We can be a blessing to our community when we are together. We can be a blessing to the world when we are together. We can do so much more as we come together and are generous. Church isn't about you. See, people who say, I don't have to go to church, or I don't have to give, or I don't have to do those kind of anti-church statements, people who say that usually are missing the point. Church is not about me. It's about we. Look at your neighbor and say, look, not everything's always about you. That's, people think it's about me. It's not about me. It's about we. It's what we can do together. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 11, the Apostle Paul is talking to this generous church in Corinth. And he's talking about how they blessed this other church in Jerusalem. He says, you will be, he's encouraging them to continue to be generous. He says, you will be enriched in every way. He's talking about how God is going to bless them so they can continue to be a blessing. He says, God is going to return that blessing on your life. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. The 12th verse says, two, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God because of what you have done. As a result of your ministry of giving, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers. It's going to prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Generosity is proof that God is working on the inside of us. It's hard to be a true, passionate follower of Christ and be greedy. You agree with that? Generosity is, is, is part of our DNA as followers of Christ. Uh, I can tell you this. I've talked to a lot of people, and maybe you have, and in different walks of life, maybe through your job, and a lot of people will look at a church and say, well, I, I don't give to the church. Why would I give to a church when I can give to this charity? A lot of people confuse the church with a charity. The ch- a church is not a charity. Although we do charitable things, we have, we have uh, 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 Bikes for Kids event every single December. We help people in Cambodia. We help people in El Salvador. We, are a, we do charitable things, but we are not a charity. Second of all, I, can, I, I, I would challenge you. If you're, you think, man, why would I give to a church and be generous towards when I can give straight to a charity? I would challenge you to go to any or your favorite charities and look up where the money's going and see how much of the money that you give actually make it to where you think you're giving. I challenge you to do that. Because I have, I don't know if there's anything more efficient than a well-established church with a good financial department. When we say we're going to do something and give it a certain amount, I mean, that's where it goes. Our Bikes for Kids event, I was looking at the numbers, 92% of the Bikes for Kids money actually go to Bikes for Kids and what we're doing there. We have about 8% that it costs to to make that event happen, but because of the army of volunteers that we have, about 92% make it there. When we say we're going to take, uh, we're going to receive an offering for our kids' ministry, 100% of it goes there. When we say that we're going to send money to Cambodia or whatever, when we take an offering, 100% of it goes there. And that's the way I... My experience with my pastoral friends, that is the way churches are usually run. Now, the world and the news will showcase the people that are crooks. But they don't talk about the 98% of churches that do what they say that they're going to do. I challenge you, there's nothing more efficient than a well-staffed and 
a church with a financial department, but I'm getting off track here. A church is not a charity. A church is a mission. A church is a mission. Yes, charity and giving to those uh, uh, that, that, that need help. Yes, that's part of what we do, but that's just part of what we do. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, along the way, we help the poor, we help the orphans, we help the widows, we help the people in other countries, we help, we help all, all, all walks of people. Yes, along the way, we do that. But really, our mission isn't so much charity as much as it is spreading the gospel. Our mission is to make disciples. Our mission is investing in the next generation and our kids and raising disciples for Christ. Our mission is impacting our community and the world for change. Amen? Along the way, we do terrible things, but the church is a mission. This mission was given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. I don't have to be a part of it. I get to be a part of it. And people who say, Travis, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that might be true. I don't believe it's true, but that might be true. But don't you want to? Even though you, you don't have to, wouldn't you want to be a part of what God is doing? In the, I mean, the church, which we believe is the hope of the world, that, is, that, that spreads the gospel and the good news and heals the hurting. Don't you want to be a part of what God is doing? If you believe that, say amen. I don't know if, if, you've, if you're aware of this, but the Bible refers to the church as the body of Christ. But the Bible also refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Are you familiar with this? Well, if you're not, I'm going to ask Nicole and Marcus to come up here. I didn't tell him what I was going to do, but I tell him just to be ready. Be stage ready. <laughs> okay, here, here's, what, here's, okay, here's the deal. Um, I need you to play Jesus. <laughs> All right. All right, if you, you just stand over here. Nikki, if you'll just go over there. <laughs> All the way. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, meet Marcus. And Nicole, Jesus, I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. We'll have a good time. The Bible speaks about the church as the bride of Christ. Jesus speaks about it. Also, in the book of Revelation, there is this, after the end of the world and all these things that are going to happen, that there is this, this... wedding reception, this wedding feast, where the Bible says that the bride is united, I'm sorry, the bride is united with the groom. That, that I mean, the, the church is the bride of Christ, and it's going to be united with the groom. And I think about this statement, and sometimes I think that we don't put ourselves in the place of Christ when we say certain things about the church. I want you to think about what this would be like I don't have to go to, to, I don't have to go to church in order to be a Christian. I don't have to have anything to do with her in order to be a part of your life. It'd be something like this. Lord, I love you. 
and I praise you, and I want you to bless me, and I want, to be, I want you to be a part of my life, and I want, uh, you know, I, I want to be a part of your life, but I don't like her. I want to be a part of your life, but I don't want to have anything to do with her. You think there'd be an issue if that were true? If I was like, Marcus, I want to be your friend, but I don't like her. And I talk bad about her all the time. You think that would cause problems with our friendship? I think about what I've heard people say. Hey, now keep in mind, as the body of Christ, if you look into the scripture, Jesus gives several examples about how the kingdom of heaven is as a man going on a journey. And Jesus told his disciples, I'm going away but I will return to receive you. I will return to get my bride. So you look at it like this, like, like they were together when Jesus was on the earth and Jesus established the church and had this idea. But Jesus leaves and he says, I'm coming back to get her. And he tells his disciples and, and throughout the message, the overlying message of the New Testament is to take care of the church and to build the church. And then I will return. It talks about, you know, the, the, the purity of his bride the, without spot or wrinkle and how we're supposed to treat the church, okay? So let's just, with that in mind, think about some of the things that people say about the church. Look, I want to I spend time with you, but I, I don't want to go to her house. Every time I go to her house, she asks me for money. Every time I go over to her house, she asks, have you ever heard anybody say that about church? Every time I go to church, they ask Every time I go to her house, keep in mind, this is his bride. You know what he's thinking? He's thinking, why don't you give her some money? <laughs> Every time I go to her house, she asks me for money. And you know what? She's not spending it on orphanids, or, uh, orphans, and she's not spending it on, um, on uh, homeless people. You know what she's doing? She's feeding her kids with that money. She's, she's feeding her kids. And you know what? I saw a new pair of shoes on her. I'm not supporting that. He'd be, he'd be, if, if you were talking to Jesus, he would be thinking, why don't you take care of my bride while I'm gone? That's what he would be thinking. Every time I go over to her house, the music is too loud, and I don't like the, I don't like the style of music that she plays. I don't like going over there. It's not a big deal. How about this? Every time, every time I go over to her house... She doesn't feed me. You ever hear anybody say that? I'm not fed. Every time I go over to her house, she won't feed me. She feeds her kids. She's, she feeds her babies and she doesn't feed me. You guys know what I'm talking about. Every time I go to her house, she asks me to serve. She puts pressure on me. Every time I go over there to help her, she wants me to mow the yard, mow the grass. She wants me to take out the trash. She wants me to welcome guests. I'm not doing all that. I don't, I don't enjoy going over to her house. You know what he would probably say? All of her imperfections, and she has a lot. <laughs> I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the church. She, she has a lot of imperfections. She is not perfect. But she's mine. That's what he would say. I don't love her in spite of her imperfections. I love her because of her imperfections. In fact, she is bone of my bone. She is flesh of my flesh. I have loved her with an everlasting love. I have given my body to her and for her. She is mine. 
And if you have no part with her, you have no part with me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You see what I'm saying today? Thank you, guys. Can you imagine looking at Jesus and saying, I don't have to go to church to be with you. I don't know if that's true. I can't tell you it's not, but I don't know, man. If I were Jesus, I would say, you're not going to have anything to do with me and not have anything to do with my bride. Listen, it is a privilege that we get to be a part of his church. It is the biggest blessing besides him sending his son. It's the biggest blessing that we've ever experienced. What we do here is a blessing and a gift from God that we should never take for granted. Amen? Let me pray with you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you for speaking to us. And I believe, Lord, that you're changing the hearts of people and the minds of people. And I thank you, Lord, for challenging us and confronting us in areas of our lives when it comes to your church. And right now, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us. Wherever we are and whatever we need from you right now in this moment, speak to your church individually. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed, if you're here today and you live for God, he's Lord and Savior of your life. That God is dealing with you right now, maybe through this message of your relationship with his bride. Maybe something has clicked in your heart today and God is speaking to you. If God is speaking to you right now, I want to tell you right now, just ask yourself, what could God be saying to me right now? What is God trying to change and work through in my life right now? Would you be receptive to that? Maybe you're here and you live for God. He's Lord and Savior of your life. But God has challenged you in the area of your relationship with his church. Maybe you feel like you've taken that relationship for granted. You have neglected her in some way. It's not about salvation, but it's about relationship with his bride. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that is here. And I thank you for those that you have confronted today. Lord, that, that you're addressing some things in our lives. You're addressing our interaction, our relationship with your bride. I pray, God, first of all, I thank you, Lord, for bringing this up. And by your Holy Spirit, the words that I couldn't say or the words that I fumbled through, Lord, your Holy Spirit will take this word that I have read and this message that I believe that you want to speak to this house and it will sink deep down into the heart of every person here and you will challenge us in such a way that our relationship with your house and your bride will be solidified, that our commitment will increase if it needs to. Whatever that looks like for every single person, I pray that we meet that challenge and that we rise, Father. Especially, God, in this new era of Faith Co. As we're looking at a brand new facility. Father, now more than ever, we will be committed to and we will gather and we will be identified through your church and we will be generous to your church in the name 
of Jesus. If you believe that and receive it, say amen.